Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. This is your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners from around the world about agency operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can find videos and transcripts on agencyunfiltered.com. This episode is a twofer in that we have both Dave Meyer and Trig V. Olson, president and director of business development, respectfully, from BusyWeb, join the show. We talk about the discovery stage of BusyWeb sales process and more specifically, the types of questions they ask prospects to diagnose problems, how they build trust with prospects to even ask those questions, and how they balance data and hard facts with the more emotional, soft skill based relationships they've built with longtime clients. Agency Unfiltered, coming at you right now. Hello, gents. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing? Hey, Kevin. Great to see you again. Yeah, it's good to get you guys back on the horn. How are things in Minneapolis? I don't Great. want to talk about it. It's well, one it's, degree it's, at the moment. Yeah, it's January in Minneapolis, so there's not a whole lot to brag about usually, but yeah. we're doing what we can. Yeah, so yeah. Not, a ton of, not a ton of margaritas and Mai Tais on the beach for you guys these days. Well, you can have margaritas. All you got to do is stick your hand outside to keep it cold. <laughs> Only in our dreams. That's right. right? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is now, I don't know if you guys have like a garage fridge or like where you guys keep all your drinks cold, but now you just use your backyards and your patios for that, right? You know, I know yeah. you're joking, uh, but the honest problem is when you get this cold, you actually have to bring your all of your soda, pop, what we call pop, pop but yeah. all of your soda cans inside the house because if you just leave them in, even in your garage overnight, it'll get so cold that all your cans will burst. Oh, so you can't even use the outside as a fridge. It's too cold. Yep. Nope. We're in, uh, you we're it's, uh, it's too cold to go outside and you got to drink warm, warm Coke right now. <laughs> no one likes, no one likes warm Coke. No, <laughs> no one no. likes that. Not um, at all. Well guys, uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, I'm excited to talk about, uh, both of your experiences on this topic and, and I'm trying to think of the best way to, to describe it or, or kind of set the stage. And obviously we're here to talk about sales, the sales process. Uh, and, and it's, how BusyWeb thinks more about diagnosing the problem of a prospect versus maybe leading with the proposed solution. Uh, and right. I think that's easier said than done. Maybe people listening are like, oh, that's a piece of, duh, right? But I think it does take a lot of intention uh, and a lot of different uh, lines of questioning and trust building. I think there's a lot to unpack. Uh, and you two are the exact right people I think we need to unpack it for us. Um, so let me start with this. And this is super high level. What is your process as it's prescribed for diagnosing a prospect or existing client's current problem? What does that look like from a process perspective? I think that I sort of default to uh, something I learned from a, a HubSpot sales rep by the name of David Winehouse, which is he talks about the three sale sale, that the first sale is that there has to be a problem. And then the second one is that there are potential solutions to the problem. And that third, they want you to be the solution to the problem. So I think that's not sufficient. I think the fourth one right right now is 
people need validation that their problem is real and that it that it exists because in the world and the world we live in of fake news and alternative facts mm -hmm. that they they just need to really start with actually getting their horns around what the problem is and whether or not they're even diagnosing it correctly i think one of the things that i see all the time is that people come to us and have an a, a basic understanding of what they'd like, but it's not actually what they need. You know, mm. so uh, for example, I'll have somebody come and say, well, do you guys do SEO? The answer is sure. Why? Tell me more. Why, why do you need yeah. SEO help? You know, and, and, and then we we're sort of off to the races from there. But I think to start with is the first thing that we need to do in order to even get to the last sale, which is that they want us to be the solution um how on earth do we do that well we just first first and foremost is we validate that the problem that you're feeling is real mm. and it, it 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 sucks that you're having this problem right and yeah in addition trigvi mentioned something that's really interesting right now in in a post covid world and in a third wave of covid world people are feeling disconnected mm. and so we spend a fair amount of time just doing rapport building so how you doing? What's new? You know, not not even getting right to the issue, although certainly when it's time to have that conversation, we do have our scripts and we keep our snippets all set up in HubSpot, <laughs> right? So we can just do pound disco and all of our stuff pops right in. Yep. But I'm spending good a lot plug, more time plug. just how are you? You know? Yeah. So I think treat yes, them like humans, easier. it sounds like, Dave, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. We you have. Know, I I I had lunch with somebody today for about the first time in three months, and I'm an outside cat. You know, Dave can tell you because Dave signs my expense reports that mm -hmm. uh, the amount of money he saved by not letting me go out to lunch with people because of COVID was was astonishing. And you know, part of that is just understanding who people are and and making right. them feel like. Um, and, and, and then poking around the edges of things. So you ask the question of how do we really diagnose what the problem is? Well, there's there's hard things that are happening within a company, like they're just not getting something done correctly, or and maybe that's something that you can fix and maybe it can't, or maybe that there's a political issue in play. And you can't really fix that either. And so in in any in any sequence, you really have to a successful seller cannot just sell everything to everyone anymore. Right. You really have to have a good understanding of whether or not you actually can achieve a goal. And if you think you can, then great, then you can go after it. But if you really can't, man, it, you're really not going to be successful anymore. It, one thing that stood out to me there was a client coming to you, I think, Trivia, this was you, but hey, I need SEO. And you're like, okay, great. But why? Right? So it's almost like right. clients and prospects, they can be unreliable narrators at their own like self-diagnosis. It's probably how doctors right. feel when we go to WebMD and decide what we have, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than and just, usually it's oh, go ahead, go ahead. You, usually it's because somebody who's higher up than them has said, hey man, uh, I I tried Googling us and I can't find us anywhere. So you need to fix that. Right. And the answer is right. yeah. Well, like, okay, yeah. Right. No, and no, then, no, to be fair, I mean, there's a lot of noise in the marketing world. And if you just Google SEO, there's millions and millions of hits. So people are just saying, oh, yeah, well, I'm something hurts. I guess it's this SEO thing because I've read about it a bunch. And so you go in and that's when really taking the step back, 
building the rapport, having the conversation with them, asking the leading questions to get them to where we want them to go and to get to what's really hurting can be so helpful. And then you're starting, you're not, you're not a salesperson, you're a solution provider and you're just, you know, you're, you're telling the doctor where it hurts and they're saying, well, it could be because of this. Is that right? And that's where we go. And even in the SEO framework that we're talking about in this instance is if we solve the SEO problem, we get three times the traffic, does that increase revenue? No, it gets three times the traffic. Then it becomes a question of, is it the right kind of traffic? Well, what does that mean? Well, let's figure out what a lead looks like for you and what a good lead looks like for you. You know, Kevin, if you hired me for lead generation and I gave you Dave's mom's phone number, would I have done my job? Well, on the one hand, yep, I, I, I gave you a lead. It's Dave's mom. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm almost sure that if Dave's mom's going to buy HubSpot, she's going to buy from Dave, not, not you. So it's, it's not going to go anywhere. So leads have to be actionable. They have to be achievable and you have to have a common goal. And then in addition to that, this is one of the things that we learned uh, really early on in our digital uh, in our, our agency growth mode. Um, We had a client that, um, that it was, uh, they were in uh, promotional products and we would get, we were getting them between 30 and 50 leads a month. Leads just falling out of the sky like crazy. And we got fired six months into the, six months into the retainer. And as we looked at it, we said, why on earth are you doing this? This makes no sense. Well, and their answer is, well, we're not getting any money from these leads that you're giving us. And we're looking at it going, well, did we do this right? Yeah. Did we agree? Are these leads meeting what we agreed upon? Were the right kind of leads? Yep. So we said, I, we, I don't understand what you're talking about. How, how, how are you not making money off these leads? These are exactly what you asked us for. And their response was, well, every time we get a lead from you, we send them a catalog in the mail and they never call back. Oh, so you're no. fired. Oh, oh no. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, well, that's your problem. Right. And that's really when we started tipping more into the sales services part of HubSpot and making sure that we were looking at CRM because mm-hmm. there's so much inside of that and to make sure that you are asking those questions. And that's, you know, it was, it was bad on us because yeah. we're just like, okay, well, we're going to give you these leads. And we assumed that they were actually going to do responsible follow-up. Right. Yeah. And we can't do that anymore. We have to understand what the follow-up is and we have to have an agreement into it. Especially if that's the difference of whether or not they want to keep you guys around or not. Right. Like we can't put that yeah. trust fully on you guys. We need to be able to, to provide some consultation on that. Yeah. yeah. So as a result, I think we've gotten a lot smarter about being about clarity and expectations Yep, and that, you know, for just our marketing clients. Okay. We can, we'll bring you to the water's edge. We'll tee the ball up exactly how you want it. But then, then it's on you. And, or if you really want a revenue goal, that's a completely different program altogether, mm, which right. involves a lot more in-depth thought and a lot, and it's a lot more painful change for a lot of clients. Yeah. I think Dave, they, you mentioned, the, you mentioned leading questions and then right. you kind of walked through the example of like extrapolating out like how, okay, yeah, that drives yeah. traffic, but how good is that? It's, you know, like what's the next step from there and, and driving all the way up, hopefully up to, to uh, you know, revenue. Right. Uh, 
what are like what types of leading questions are they, Dave? Like when and then also when does this happen in the sales process? Is this right out of the gate, kind of extrapolating out what this means as results? Um, how early are your leading questions? Like timeline wise, give me some additional perspective into that. If that makes sense. So there's different leading questions at different sales stages, sure. right? So in the qualification call, um, you're you're doing high level call or questions like, you know, have you identified the need and tell me what you're doing and explain to me what the frustration is. And then maybe even, you know, getting into have have you thought about this as a growth option for you and do you have a budget, right? Which you probably don't ever say, do you have a budget? At least not that early. But, you know, as you go in at that very first stage, you're asking the big qualifying, disqualifying, are you in our market? Can we actually help you? And do we know what, do we know what you need? And the biggest question question inside of that first one is tell me more, right? Because you're, you're digging in and you're asking what they're doing and the biggest thing that I was used to get messed up in is I would start going right to the solution, um, as Winehouse and Tire would say, taking the cheese, right, mm-hmm. and uh, and and going into it. So it it needs to be broader questions earlier, and then as you start to build that rapport, you come in for the actual discovery call when they're already bought in, they get that you could provide a solution, and maybe they've done a little bit of research on you, looked at your website, followed some of your stuff, maybe engaged in some of your inbound assets that you can start asking the deeper questions. Like, tell me about how many leads you are getting and tell me about the quality of those leads or what's what's an automatic disqualifier for a lead that comes in. And so you're asking more questions that get more into revenue Versus just marketing. And especially if somebody came to us via, you know, well, I heard my boss tell me, told me that we got to do better, better at SEO. That's going to be an entirely different conversation. And you have to build them through that chat so that they understand more. So then the, the deeper questions in phase two are the, okay, well, tell me about your persona. Oh, you don't have a persona? Well, let's, let's sell, let's talk about this another way. You know, what's your absolute best customer in the past year? And what made them an easy fit? And why would you want more of that kind of customer? Right. And I'm sure Trigvi has a whole bunch more that he talks about. And he actually goes way deeper into this. And, you know, he's, he's doing boot camps um, for the, for the, yeah, quick plug for my boot camp. I, 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 uh, I'm uh, one of the teachers of the HubSpot pipeline generation boot camp. So Google, Google HubSpot pipeline generation boot camp. Come to one of our classes today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think um, how you the what leading questions that you ask is entirely dependent on the person you're dealing with. If you're dealing with an alpha male like Dave, who is the president of a company who has very little time on his schedule, you got you have to get to the root of it very quickly. So the question that I would ask somebody like Dave is, "What else?" and 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 he'd say something, say, "Okay, what else?" Okay. What else? And you keep asking until he runs out of things to say. But if you're talking to somebody who's more mid-level, um, who has, in the scenario we talked about, who has, or their boss said, oh, you fix this, um, that one of the important things that I learned is the pregnant pause and you let it work for you. Right. Where if somebody says, oh, yeah, well, we need to fix that. And you say, Wow. So what is that like for you? 
when they tell you that kind of thing. Interesting. Because half of you, half of what you're doing is going to be whether or not you're, I know that I know that I can do the thing. So, but I need to get somebody to believe that they want me to do the thing. And so I need to understand what their motivation is as well as can I present the solution in the right place? So I always ask the question now, what is that like for you when that happens? Right. Well, and, and again, back to, back to your talking to the role, Trigby, if you're getting to someone that's new in the role or that's lower in the role, your job is to help them look good to their boss. Yep. If you're talking to the boss, your job is to help get them to revenue, right? So you have to kind of line that up. And that's where asking those qualifying questions can really di- drill deeper. And, you know, for the, the, start, the starter level or the mid-level marketer, it's, it's much more persona-based and or tactic-based because that's where they're living. They're living two feet off the ground. They're taking the reports. Ideally, they, they know their SEO and what they're getting as far as their analytics, ideally. Um, whereas you start to level up quite a bit and ask the broader questions if they're more executive level, if they're a CRO, if they're, or if they're the owner of the organization. They just want to know, how do I get more money? Or, or if you're dealing with an operations person, um, how do I, how do I save you money? How, and and, it can be just as good as making you money. Right. Right. Because, you know, we had an example where we found, we took over a client that we're spending a lot of money on advertising for that client, but we're spending about half of what they used to spend, but we're doing it much more effectively and getting a better result. So you, 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 I never want to say I can completely wipe out what you're spending, but I think I can spend it smarter and get you a better yeah. result. Um, better return. Um, yeah. How do you, or, or have you ever experienced pushback on this, on this type of conversation? And it has, there had to have been like a recalibration of trust or how do you like push through any resistance? Like, have you guys faced that where they're like, I don't know you, I'm not ready to just like peel the curtain back. How do you mitigate that if it has come up? Happens all the time, and yeah. especially if you try to push it too quick. So if you try to go right to discovery call, and you're like, "Okay, well, it's clear that you need this, this, and this," they're like, "No, I don't. I never said that." So if you try to put the accelerator down too fast, if you haven't built that rapport, if you haven't asked the right questions and got them answering the question, I mean, it it should never feel like a sales conversation, especially at the beginning. Like, yeah. okay, well, tell me more. Tell yeah. me more. We're not going to get to a solution, by the way, in this conversation today. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get to a solution. I'm not going to be giving you a sales pitch. I need to know a lot more about you before I can find you the right solve for your particular problem. So tell me about what hurts. So if they're starting off with that and saying, no, 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 I need SEO. And I know that this is it. I know you're going to try to screw me or whatever, right? Then you have to step back and take a couple of take a couple of walks with them through. Okay, well, explain to me what's happening. Let them tell you as much as they possibly can. Ask them the five whys and tell me about that. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. And then by the end of that, if you've done your job and if you've done not a whole lot of talking, they're going to feel comfortable enough with you to ask. Okay, well, how do we make this go? Right. Dave, we, expand on we... that for one sec. The five whys. I, I know what you're talking about, um, but just yeah. I, I think most people may. But just yeah. extrapolate what the exercise is of the five whys for folks that maybe might not know. 
For sure. And Trigvi said it with slightly different words earlier, but you know, it's tell me more, right? So, okay. I, I, you have this issue. You, you need, you need better SEO. You're telling me, why is that? And then you go through that expert or that exercise at least five times. So you're asking, okay, well, why, why is that important? Okay. Well, we're not getting the right leads in. Well, why is that important? Well, we're not making enough money. Why is that important? Because I need to feed my kids. Okay, well, we've probably got as far up as we're going to go. And then if they, okay, well, you you kicked on a couple of these core topics as we were going through our whys. And so here's what I'm seeing. And again, if you go to that too quickly, or if you try to do that all in one call, that's when you're going to hit that resistance because the conversation starts tilting to you instead of to them too early. I think... Uh... I, I talked earlier about the David Winehouse model of the three sales sale. And I talked about how I have added that fourth sale on the front, which is the validation of the problem. I think there's also a fifth sale that needs to happen, which happens to BusyWeb all the time, which is going to make Dave laugh a little, is the fifth sale is once I get the client to say yes, I then have to turn around and tell an entire operations team how great this is going to be and how much fun these people are going to be to work with which if I don't believe in that, they're not going to buy it because they hear my shtick all the time. And they, they, they know when I'm trying to sell them something and when I actually believe in something. So to get back to your question, Kevin, what sort of pushback do I get on that? I get it all the time. If people say, well, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to pay you to learn my business and then tell me how to fix it. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Because I'm doing just fine and you came to me. So I don't, and I also don't work for free and my people don't work for free. So I feel good that I can come up with a solution, but I, you know, we got to do, we got to figure out how we're going to do it together. Yep. And so it sounds like there are some examples where there's a clean, a clean walk away. It's just, Hey, you know, we're just, we're, we're obviously not jiving on the same page. You might not see the value in what I'm trying to bring, and and obviously, you know, it's that, and that's totally. I, I was yeah, I was talking about this to, to somebody the other day. Oh, oh, uh, I was talking about this when when Kyle Jepson uh, and I were hosting inbound sales yes. offers. The man, uh, the hours. myth, the legend, Kyle Jepson. Yes, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, just FYI, just for you, Kevin, and for your listeners, Kyle Jepson and I are also going to be uh, starring in a buddy comedy. Uh, this fall on Fox, it's a situation comedy about how when when two completely different people move in together, it's, it's going to be great. We're really excited for it. I'm excited to read the we're, pilot. We're, we're, Kyle was going to send that over to me to script. Right, exactly. Yeah, but we were talking about this. Is is that when you start your sales career, all the grizzled veterans will tell you, "Oh, it's not about you. You you, you just it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you." When somebody says no. And universally, nobody believes it. Everybody thinks it's about them when they don't get a sale. And then there's a point where you just, and I don't know when it happened to me, whether it was a callus or something that I just sort of realized, and I just stopped thinking that it was about me when somebody said no. And that's something that every salesperson has to learn for themselves. And once you do that, the walk away and the empowerment and the the equity that you get when you talk to people, where I don't need you to say yes. Only if this is a good fit for both of us, am I wanting you to say yes. That completely changes your mindset and how you sell and how successful you are. 
in at least half of our conversations on good qualified leads wind up with a walk away. And if we're doing our, yeah, if, if we're doing our job right, they feel great about that. And they say, okay, well, BusyWeb's got my back. When something does happen down the road where we are a fit, or if they hear of someone in the same industry that we're working in, they give us the referral and they say, these guys couldn't couldn't uh, solve exactly what we were looking for, but they are the go-to for mm, X. And then whatever we had talked about, that is a good fit. Right? I, I, um, I would much rather have somebody not take their money and have somebody six months later say good things about me that I was at least honest and fair with them than, yeah. hey, they, they did a job and they weren't very good at it. Because you can tell when a job's not going to work out on the front end. When people are combative and people aren't going to be aren't helpful, and they're only wanting you for one thing, you know, the the those those are never going to be long term fits. So people got to stop burning bridges, is what I'm learning here. You know, uh, I I would say let the bridge burn, but don't light it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Don't be caught yeah, with right. a lighter. I got. Well, you. that's the, the other torch. that that's an inter- that's an interesting point that that it, it, it is worthy of talking about is. I think in the agency world, specific, everybody that I know of, and I know a ton of people through my my work at, with the HubSpot, who get fired for any number of reasons, almost all of which are universally not true. And so what I counsel people all the time is that if somebody's going to sever the relationship, why they're severing the relationship and the reason they give you for severing the relationship are two very different things. And you're very rarely ever going to know the real reason why somebody wants to sever a relationship. It's like dating. Mm-hmm. I want to break away from prospects for a, uh, for a second and talk about maybe your existing client base. And how does this process stack up to like auditing the relationship, benchmarking performance and future recommendations? Maybe they come to you because their boss said that they need to work on X. Is it similar to how you treat this process in the sales process, or do you view them as distinctly different processes, if that makes sense? I think that how we, I've just even, I guess I I wouldn't say that I've given up on trying to be clever about it, but uh, as part of the sales process, I tell clients, this is what we are going to need from you. We are going to come up with, standard success metrics and once a month whether or not you want it or not we want you to we are going to ask you to sit down with us and review them and figure out whether or not we're uh, meeting the goals or not and if something has changed in your business because this is a partnership and if that's not okay for you or if you just want us to send you the report and that's fine but that's your choice but what we are going to ask of you is how we create this relationship is we're going to come up with metrics that for success, because otherwise, why are we doing anything? And then we need to know if we're getting closer to the goal or not. And try and make it more about math than about the, the, the soft issues of, do I feel like this is good? Mm, Well, let's do it in the things we can control and turn it into a, a, a formula. So, and I know that we have a couple of clients. We have a long-term client that we've been in a relationship with for, uh, I want to say, six years. And he has, uh, we used to do monthly meetings with him. And then we stopped because he never showed up to them. He still kept paying. Yeah. Really happy with the work. 
Yeah. Oh, you guys are fine. Keep going. Then we went to quarterly and I think maybe he comes to like one or two meetings a year. Right. He's entirely happy. Says, keep doing your thing. You guys are doing great. Keep doing, I, you know, I'll read the report if I get around to it, but this is awesome. So just keep going. Right. Uh, the flip side of that though, is we're, we're going to continually have sales conversations at every check-in. So we do keep to, we are, we do need to keep going back to the original agreements and said, you know, when we started this program, we agreed that we were going to deliver X, Y, and Z. Are we still doing that? But then the second part of that is you always have to ask, is that still important? And you can't let the client take the cheese to say, okay, but I also need all of these other things because a lot of folks think about marketing as much as they think about, you know, their custodial services or they're, they're just going through is like, Oh, I just, I just realized that the floor is a little dirty in the bathroom this morning. Or I, I noticed that I got a weird call into, into a form fill. And so this is, this is bad. We need to completely change the program. Like, no, 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 wait a minute. We have these agreements and this is why we agreed that this was important. Is that still important to you? And then if they agree, then we go back and we say, okay, well, this is where we're going to keep going. But if you just go into a monthly check-in meeting and let them run the conversation and let them keep adding new things on, it's like, oh, I really think we need videos. Like, okay, yeah, sure. If you're just smiling and nodding and yes, yes, manning them at every turn, you're going to wind up with a completely different result. You're probably going to wind up losing all of the profitability in your relationship with them because all of a sudden you're doing 10 times more than you thought you were. And you're delivering a 10th of the actual value because you can't be focused on what's really interesting and what's really necessary for that business. So a lot of the conversations in ongoing relationships, and that's what 80% of our conversations are. You know, we keep most of our clients for a couple years or more. When you're in that conversation, it's always about, we agreed that this is what we needed to accomplish. Is that still important? If it's not still important, we're going to need to figure that out. Right. So we have monthly meetings and then we have quarterly strategic check-ins. And those strategic check-ins are when we really ask, okay, does this still hurt? And of course, there are some that are going to be absolute necessities every time. Like you need this many leads. You need this much throughput in your marketing. Need We know that we need that. But okay, well, maybe it is time to start looking at rebuilding the website. Or maybe there's a new tool that we need to integrate because we're doing GDD or growth-driven design. And so as part of that, we've already gone through all the phases. Now it's time to look at leveling up. Or maybe the company has grown to a different degree where you need to think about it completely differently. But it's all about transparency and checking in and reminding them on the agreements. Of our retainer clients that we have right now, off the top of my head, I could think of four that really would benefit from a new website. And we are currently talking to none of them about a new website because um, we are, we've told them that you will need one, but we're going to do the best we can with what we've got for as long as we can. And then, and then once we get to the point where we can't, it's really not sustainable or it costs more than it, than it is value to fix it then we need to have a serious conversation. It's like a car. You know, if you have your car is worth $1,500 and you'd have a $1,300 repair, should you really do it right. at, at that point? So um, a, a lot of, you know, in, in those instances, 
we're just trying to do right by the client, which doesn't mean selling. It means doing the best with what you have. Yep. I think Trigvi, in an earlier point, you brought up, hey, we like to anchor these types of performance conversations to the data and the facts and the math and the results and not so much like those soft skill, kind of like what's the vibe of the relationship? Um, is that always the case? Or do you ever lean more on like, hey, we just want to build a really strong, you know, relationship with them, even if our performance isn't up to snuff. And that actually gives us a little more uh, runway because they just like, they, they like who we are as uh, people. Like, do you ever go the other way on it? Not so much data and facts. I think, yeah, I think, you know, there's so much business to be had and so many business related things that sometimes if you have the opportunity to go completely sideways, uh, it's, it's totally worth it. So last year we had a great year within the context of, of busy web. And I, I took on, uh, and I'm happy to share their name. I took on a world champion juggling troop website redesign. And the, the name of the company is the, D- the danger committee. And I brought that to the table. And so I've got half a dozen people sitting around a production meeting where we're talking about, you know, financial this and business that and manufacturing that. And, oh yeah. And three jugglers. And and people were looking at me like, uh, I'm sorry, what now? Like, yeah, no, 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 no. They're great. It's, they're super fun. And, and so when I say world champion jugglers, just for context, like one of their acts they do is that it's, there are three of them and they do, they're, they they juggle bowling pins amongst the three of them while they're on fire, while they're on segways, circling each other. The bowling pins so are on fire. The jugglers aren't on fire. The bowling pins are on fire. <laughs> okay. and they're juggling and throwing them while they're okay. on segways. Whoa. So it, it the principles remain the same because one of the parts of that 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 business is they get corporate shows, and so it is valuable to them to have a good digital footprint. Sure and talk about the things we had. So when we had the opportunity, yeah, was it, was it a little bonkers? Yeah. But everybody on our team had a lot of fun doing it and a lot of fun stretching themselves creatively in, 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 in doing it. So I think, um, but to, 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 is that really going to help us? Eh. Right. Was it, did we do really well by a couple of really nice guys who do really fun things and make a lot of people happy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think one of the things that we are continuously working on is, um, yes, we have this great system in place where we are talking about cold, hard facts, but also saying, how do you feel about this? Do you really feel good about this? And do you really feel like this is hitting the mark? What are we not doing? Right. Well, and there's a lot of space in there, Kevin. Honestly, if if you're asking what else is important, and if you keep leaving the space for something that's probably going to occur to all of us in the relationship six months in, and if you leave that space to keep growing, it might not be directly tied to one of the KPIs that you agreed to. But is it going to be important? Should the client be proud of their marketing? Should they be able to have fun and engaging conversations with their clients? Yeah, absolutely. And it, that's that's where it's important to lean into the humanity of the relationship. And just to say, you know, we, we always leave a little bit of space to say what else. We don't let them lead with what else because otherwise you're going to wind up doing video or, you know, adding juggling to an accounting company's website. But, you know, it's important to leave that space so that we can all grow 
with each other and keep adjusting course as we learn more about each other, about what's working, about what our new favorite clients are, and all of those things. Now, and one of the questions that I ask in that scenario is, what would you like to see happen? And then just see what the answer is. A lot of times you can get, you can deliver on it. They just haven't asked you yet. Mm. Now it seems like juggling flaming bowling pins while on segways, unicycles. Yeah. That sounds like a really, that sounds like a really apt metaphor for what it's like to run like an agency or like a solutions partner organization or something (gasps) like that. So it's a pretty, and honestly, you guys will probably wish you, Held on to that example for one more question, because um, as we kind of wrap up here and, and approach the end of our time together, I end with a question that I ask every every guest, and it's, what is the weirdest part of agency life? And so beyond jugglers with flaming bowling pins, is there anything else that you guys would classify as, as one of the, the weirdest parts of agency life? Well, I know Dave's answer would probably be me. Because he has to oh, put no, up no. with my comedy on a regular basis. Oh, no, no. I, I think the the weirdest thing that I think I see is that the relationships that you run into, especially when you're just out networking, out in the world. You know, I, I was on stage earlier today and in person for the first time this year and hopefully not the last. But, you know, you run into people that are very different than you and have, have different ideas, have different ideas about commerce, have different ideas about all kinds of things. You know, we, Travy's got lots of very famous, um, within our organization examples of things where I think Trigby was in the job and Trigby, you've been with us since 15. So it's seven years going on on eight years. And when, when Trigby first started, we sat down with somebody that came into the office and they had this chair oh. that would microwave your ass in, and it would help realign your chi. So you plugged in this chair and it, and it emitted microwaves. And so there's always something wow. different and weird and strange that you run into. You know, I, and I, I won't, I won't take all of Trigvies, but I think my other favorite Trigvism is uh, when we had a guy come in that wanted to sell Justin Bieber t-shirts and he wanted oh, it to say, yeah. um, Justin Bieber hearts Jesus. And he said, that's completely cool. And I can do it completely legally because I heard him say it on the radio. So that means that I can take his likeness and I can put that on there. We had to explain to him very gently, like, no, no, you can't just co-opt just because somebody said something. So the people and the option and the, and the businesses that you run across, especially when you're out networking in the real world, get very interesting. But then there, there's also just so many pivot points and, I think our most popular webinar of the past two years since Corona hit was how to do business when you can't be in person anymore. It was like the day after everything closed down, I was actually stuck on vacation sitting poolside. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do a webinar on how to do webinars so that you can still have sales calls. And that's our best performing webinar in the past two years because it was right to and being available as something massively changed. Sounds like a whole other follow-up episode too on just like oh how context yeah. and timing can inform a webinar yeah. strategy. Yeah, that's great. I, right? I think my favorite weird was there was a guy who came in who uh, he had decided that he was going to make uh, Wayne, uh, Wayne stock from Wayne's world too. So he was going to have a concert because one of our claims to fame is we did uh, the artist Prince's last website mm. before he passed oh, away. Really? So yeah. yeah. 
so over a weekend, I should add. Yeah. So we get we get calls and we get some calls from that. And so this guy called and he said, Well, I wanna I'm gonna have a concert. We're gonna have Madonna, we're gonna have we're gonna have Foo Fighters, we're gonna have all these famous artists there. So what I'm gonna need from you guys is I'm gonna need you guys to come up with something that's cooler than the than the ice bucket challenge in order to promote this concert. And then we're going to need a website for the concert. And, and, and it, are you in? And I was like, yeah. And he said, great. And I don't have any money, so I'm going to have to pay for this in installments. And I said, can't thank you enough for all the time. <clears throat> Love the confidence right. of this person. So, so here, right. here's an honest answer to the question, Kevin, is I don't really even understand what weird is anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's become because, so embedded into just the day to day of what your role and responsibility entails. Well, it, it, it's it, it's um, it, it's it's there are so many different ways to make a lot of money, and there's so many different audiences and and and, and needs that as people come to us with what we we think are harebrained schemes, oftentimes really aren't that harebrained. So, uh. The, I think of, uh, you know, the way Garth Brooks explains rodeo is a good uh, analogy for my job is it's very simple. You keep your mind in the middle while your butt spins round and round. So that's, and, and, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, I, we, I don't even know what weird is anymore because so many people are doing so many interesting and fun and different things to make, make a buck. None of them are wrong. Certainly yeah. broadens your perspective I, I, for sure. Yeah, I've learned to just smile and nod and say, we can make that happen. Do you have a budget? And then we go from there. Yeah, excellent. Well, guys, uh, we're officially out of time. I appreciate you both uh, jumping in. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, it's always a blast hanging out and chatting with you guys. But I think that may do it. So this has been another Thanks, episode Kevin. of Agency Unfiltered. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.